This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. And today another one of the wonderful volunteers from Community Law Otago, Lily Roger, joins us today. And we're going to be talking about contracts, more specifically the end or cancellation of contracts. Morena, good to have you with us, Lily. Happy to be here. Let's start with that important question. Um, When do contracts actually end? So there are a few ways in which a contract can end. The most common one people will know is when the obligations have been fulfilled. However, they can also end through a settlement, which is when the which is when the obligations haven't been fulfilled, but there has been an agreement to end the contract. There is also a situation called frustration. This is when events beyond both parties' control make the contract meaningless. A great example of this is, say you were planning a wedding and due to the initial COVID restrictions, Um, you could no longer have the wedding. Every contract you made with vendors and event planners would have been frustrated as they could no longer be fulfilled. In addition to this, there is also cancellation, which is what we will be talking about today. Okay, so are there different options available for someone who wants to cancel a contract? Yes, there are. Due to the nature of contracts and how diverse disputes can arise, There are different statutes you can use to cancel a contract. This can either be through repudiation or through serious breach and or misrepresentation. All right, so let's look at that. What are some of the circumstances that a contract is repudiated? Effectively, under Section 36 of the Contract and Commercial Law Act, the courts have set out two things which need to be satisfied to constitute a contract to be repudiated. There needs to be an actual or anticipated breach of the contract. So so does that mean you can cancel a contract before there is actually a breach? Yes, it does. This is great as it allows to make um, make as it allows parties to make arrangements and not wait for an actual breach. Alternatively, if you do wait for a breach, this will not penalize you in the eyes of the court. So what's the other requirement to satisfy that test? One party needs to clearly intend to not complete their side of the bargain. So effectively, the question that the courts will look at is if there's an inference can reasonably be drawn in the circumstances that the relevant party no longer longer intends to perform the contract. This is a relatively high threshold, so can be difficult to prove. Mm, So what kind of circumstances uh, that show that there's no longer an intent to perform the contract would there be? An example of this could be when selling a house and the party intending to buy your house goes and buys another house and then they no longer have the means to purchase your house. All right. So moving on to the other avenue, how can someone go about proving a serious breach or misrepresentation? So this is a two-step process. First, you must prove a misrepresentation. In my last discussion with you, Jeff, I touched on the requirements under this. Are you there, Lily? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, right. So let's 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 say um, the what's the next process, the next step in the process for that? Oh, so you must prove a misrepresentation. And in my last discussion with you, I touched on the requirements under this. 
Okay, and um, for those interested, um, you've got podcasts, of course, of this segment up online from ORFM's website. Look for Speak Legal uh, from Community Law Otago. That's on our website. All right, so um, what's the other step? Where do we go from here? So the second, second step is that the misrepresentation must be essential to the innocent party's understanding of the contract or entail substantial consequences. The courts have deemed that a term is essential if the contracting party would more likely than not have declined to enter into the contract in the first place. Ah, So what does the phrase more likely than not actually mean in legal terms? Good question. I think the courts did this to ensure a wide net would be cast so that they could encompass many different situations. So this means you really have to turn to the purpose of the contract as a whole. If the term is not compliant with the contract's purpose, it will likely come under this. However, this is one of those tricky terms in law which allow the court the discretion to deem what is appropriate. So what about the other option of entailing substantial consequences? These are consequences that must be the result of the breach, if not the breach itself. So a US case example of this is Aerial Advertising Co. And the facts of this case are that a plain advertisement agency, which typically check each day for the go-ahead to fly, one day they didn't and therefore flew over Remembrance Day celebrations. So as you could tell, this was not a great look for the company using Aerial Advertising Services. So in this, the consequence must be substantial. So these could be substantially reducing the benefit of the contract to the cancelling party or increasing the burden of the contract to the cancelling party or also making the benefit or burden substantially different from what was represented or contracting contracted for. So what happens if the person does not want to cancel the contract and, uh, and they want it fulfilled? So there is an option to affirm the contract, even if the previous actions have occurred. Affirming a contract can either be expressed or implied. So an example of this could be if you, say, purchased a plot of land and the land was actually smaller than what was represented, you could still buy the land and demand compensation for the diminished value. All right, so what are some of the forms of relief a party could get if those circumstances uh, happen to them? So this can be a little tricky as for the party to be entailed to any form of relief, they must cancel the contract in accordance with Section 41 of the Contract and Commercial Law Act. To do this, the party must notify the other party they are cancelling the contract in writing unless it's unreasonable for the other party to expect communication. After this, then the party can seek relief under Section 48 of the Contract and Commercial Law Act. This will usually come in the form of compensation. However, the court can impose conditions which they see fit to the situation as it is also a discretionary matter. I'll tell you what, Lily, contract law gets a bit complicated, doesn't it? It really does. (laughs)
it's uh, just as well we've got experts like you working in the field and helping people along the way. Uh, no doubt these are the kind of things that from time to time might come the way of Community Law Otago. And if you've got some questions, we'll give you some information about how you can get in touch with Community Law in just a moment. Uh, Lily, thanks for bringing this conversation uh, to us again here on ORFN. And we look forward to uh, speaking with Community Law Otago at the same time next week. Yeah, lovely to be here. Community Law Otago, free legal advice and support for the people of Otago. Visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. Clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the Law Faculty, University of Otago, training for life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.